0: Production funding for Ruckus has been provided by gifts from Dave and Jamie Cummings, the Hartwig family, Barbara and Peter Gattermeyer, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you.
1: Thank you. And welcome to Ruckus, our weekly food for thought fight over the news of the day and the trends of the times. I'm Mike Shannon. The Rockettes join me shortly in our topics this week. A new governor, a new legislature, old problems, continuing problems at KCI, and would partisan elections be a problem in Johnson County, plus roast and toast. But we start with our Newsmaker segment and talk about the Women's Foundation and its work in the metro area and beyond. The Foundation's mission is described in part as working to create lasting change for women and their families. And joining me is Wendy Doyle, the group's president and CEO. Wendy, thanks for coming in and welcome to Ruckus.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: How long have you been president and CEO of the foundation?
2: I've been there five years now, and we've really evolved over the last five years and um, really focusing our work now on research and policy to really get impact for women in Missouri and Kansas. So
1: if someone has absolutely no idea of what the Women's Foundation is and what it does How would you describe it to them?
2: We are 27 years old, um, founded by a group of wonderful women here in the metropolitan area based on a research study really looking at where philanthropic giving was going in the community as a result of the problem because 4% of giving was going to support women and girls um, at that point in time, which really was the premise of forming the foundation. We've evolved and really see women's economic development opportunities as a focus. Area and where we can make significant impact in Missouri and Kansas. We are a bipartisan organization, nonpartisan, um, and really use research and evidence based research to base our decisions and building out a public policy platform. How is it funded? Um, we are funded by individuals, corporations, foundations. We are your typical nonprofit, organi- yeah, your traditional 501c3.
1: And how is it governed?
2: We are governed by a board of directors um, and have a staff that implement the strategic direction for the organization. Okay
1: I know you've got a lot of projects and we're going to try to talk about as many as we can. One of real importance to the foundation I know is the implementation of family leave policies in government and I assume in the private sector too.
2: Absolutely paid family leave is top of mind for the foundation. We've had some great success in Missouri and Kansas. Um, Compliment both governors who have um, signed executive orders for executive branch employees to have paid family leave for the birth or adoption of a child. Um, And we hope that the private sector follows suit as well. Um, And so we see that as a continued, we've got lots of momentum building around that. We're Um, really focused on that for our policy agenda item. That was
1: Governor Collier in Kansas, right?
2: Governor Collier in Kansas, absolutely.
1: And you encourage women to work in civic projects and also to get engaged in politics and run for office.
2: Yes. When we engaged in this work, we quickly looked around the table (coughs) and recognized we need more women To be advocating for issues that impact women and their families. So as a result, we invested in a research study. University of Kansas completed the study for us looking at the barriers for women to become civically engaged. Number one reason is women want to be asked to serve. So as a result, we created a solution called the Appointments Project, and the Appointments Project works to get women appointed to civic boards and commissions at the city, county, and state level. Our objective is to build a pipeline. We hope that its civic engagement may ENCOURAGE WOMEN TO WANT TO GO ON AND RUN FOR ELECTED OFFICE.
1: DO YOU HAVE RESEARCH THAT SHOWS THAT GENDER DIVERSITY solves problems or makes things better?
2: Absolutely. We just completed a study by our friends in, at University of Missouri's Institute of Public Policy looking at the best practices for the appointments process and best practices demonstrate that having more diverse public boards and commissions that make real concrete solutions, make um, decisions Builds public trust, um, really makes effective decisions, and um, the best decisions for the community at large.
1: You're probably encouraged that there are more women in the U.S. Congress, in the U.S. House, in the U.S. Senate, in the House. I checked this. 23.4% are women in the uh, Senate, 25% are women.
2: Absolutely, we see. And that's a
1: marked difference from years gone by.
2: Absolutely, marked difference um, here in the heartland in Missouri and Kansas. Um, with the past election, we saw Missouri increase um, the representation of women in the legislature, In Kansas we saw a decrease. Um, and so, you know, again, we had a, the, a number of. Women record number of women running for office. But yet we still we still have some work to do that tells us two
1: women joined the Johnson County Commission and the governor of Kansas is a absolutely, female. absolutely. So, we're making go. progress. Yeah. All right. So uh, out of time. Thank you very much for coming in and good luck with your project.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Appreciate your time. That is Wendy Doyle, the president and CEO of the Women's Foundation. Now let's meet the panel and start a ruckus. Steve Rose is a Johnson County civic leader and a columnist at the Kansas City Star. Gwen Grant is president and CEO of the Urban League in Kansas City. Lisa Johnston is a columnist and consultant. And Dave Trobert is president of the Kansas Policy Institute. Thanks to all of you for agreeing to be here. I suspect that's all you'll agree on. (laughs) Let us find out. The new Kansas Governor, Laura Kelly, is outlining the goals for her administration and they are, as one would expect, the same goals she outlined in her successful campaign against Chris Kobach. Kelly wants more funding for schools, funding for Medicaid expansion, funding for children's services and a modification in the way the state's pension system is funded. The governor says this can all be done if Republicans will cooperate. And if they do, Kelly says the state will end up with $686 million in its bank account to start the next year. Republicans are, needless to say, somewhat skeptical. So, Dave, let's start with you. Is there skepticism justified? Well, Mike, this might shock you, but sometimes
3: politicians in both parties don't always tell the whole story. Now, that's a stunner. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, you know, Kansas is already spending more Than record-setting tax revenue and governor kelly's proposals is only going to make that budget situation worse yes under her proposal there would be money left in the bank this year but what she's not showing is and what everybody knows in topeka it because the government reports already show in about three years we're out of money with the pattern we're on that's without taking any money out of the highway fund or making capers payments on time So she wants to do a one-year view because the long-term view discloses the ugly truth. Kansans are being set up for a very big
1: tax increase. So, Lisa, let me ask you, uh, are the Republicans' concerns about this justified? What about what Dave just said?
4: Well, I think it's always justified to be concerned about finances. Now, there were some things in her plan that I was pleased to see. The inflation adjustment for education funding, that needs to be a staple. It needs to be in there once they have a number they're comfortable with in terms of what they think the schools need. She thinks that's going to stop
1: the court battles, and one wonders whether that will be the case
4: or not. Yes, ideally, but, you know, you never can tell. Hopefully it will. I mean, but the reality is that supplies, books, equipment, everything goes up every year. And so schools have to pay those costs. And so that inflation adjustment needs to be set in there. So I was pleased to see that. I was not pleased to see the CAPERS reamortization. I think that's the wrong direction. And I find it ironic that Democrats threw a red flag up when Governor Brownback was doing the same thing and now they're kind of doing that as well. I now, think we need to get away from raiding just, just the coffers. And just explain what that
1: is. It, it's putting less money into the retirement system over a longer period of time. Correct. Uh, less correct. money per year. There are year.
4: obligations to pay into the pension system, and, and there are amounts that they're on track to be fully funded by a certain timeline, ex- and this is extending it's, that. It's
5: kind of like refinancing your house. I mean, you're going to make the payment's mm-hmm. less, but it's going to stretch out over a much longer period of time. Right. Which means you're going to pay a right. lot more. Right.
4: right. Yeah. More but, my position, but, but my the, position is... But the retired
1: is, people don't like that. Uh, uh, the no.
3: Retired well, it makes, right. it
4: makes them nervous, and rightfully so. And my position is that she's doing some other things like paying the uh, loan back from the long-term fund in one year rather than five years. And so rather than doing that, she could stay on track with CAPERS, which I think would be the wiser thing to do personally.
1: Looking at it from your side of state line, across the border <laughs> in Missouri, what are your thoughts about uh, this new governor in Kansas? Does she impress you?
0: Yes, she impresses me. And I, what I, I'm fearful of is that her her reach out across party lines to say let's be more bipartisan will you know just fall on uh, you know flat just will fall flat, which I think is evidenced by uh, Susan Waggle and uh, the strong pushback that she's receiving right out of the box. So I'm hoping that they will learn to be more collaborative and uh, work <laughs> across party lines and, and look more towards bipartisan uh, governance in Kansas.
1: Well, Steve, you've written uh, that State Senator Susan Waggle is going to run for the U.S. Senate, and I believe you're... <laughs> yeah. You're, uh, Observation was she's likely to win, much to your disappointment. Uh, is she going to be the Republican who takes
5: on Laura Kelly? I, I think she will be, unless Mike Pompeo, who is our current Secretary of State, decides that he wants to be the next Senator of Kansas. If he decides that, if he's anointed by Roberts and the federal leaders of the Republican Party, he's in. And every and I wrote that in my column. If all bets are off. Because he'll be the nominee, and he will win the U.S. Senate seat. Kansas has not elected a Democrat since 1939. was the last year we had a Democratic Senate, U.S. senator in Kansas, which is the longest stretch of any state in the country. So, so I think it's safe to say it's a Republican seat. Sounds to me like, <laughs> sounds to me like you're ruling out Kobach. <laughs> <laughs> oh he, he's mentioned that he would, he would like to run. What about cutting the
1: tax on food? in Kansas. Didn't Laura Kelly say she was going to do that if elected? Well, she she
3: did say that, Mike, but she never said how she would do it. And that's one of those things where politicians don't always tell the whole, because it sounds nice and it should be done, but the only way you do it is if you cut spending or you shift the burden to someone else. Now, there is a third way and, and that would be to put an effective cap on sales tax revenue. For example, you could put a trigger in place to say that so that any more growth beyond, say, two percent, would be used to buy down the rate. But those—that's the kind of a promise that's off the table. Uh, it should be on there. There's ways it could be done, but it's—it's it's going to take some different approaches to the budget. That,
1: that tax on food bothers a lot of people in the state. Yeah, it's—it's a, it's, it's
3: a bad tax.
1: All right, let's move on. It now seems naive to have believed that once voters approved a new airport for Kansas City, construction would begin shortly thereafter. Obviously, that has not happened. What has happened is endless bickering and quarreling over cost, scope, and luggage carriers. Mm -hmm. Now a group of companies led by AECOM, one of the failed bidders for the original project, tells the city council it can build the airport for a billion dollars less than Edgemore, the company chosen by city officials. This is but one of a growing number of problems in the KCI project. Gwen, how would you describe the message this is sending to voters who are soon getting ready to elect a new mayor and city council?
0: Well, it's certainly a confusing message that is sending to voters, but I certainly hope that it's a a clarion call to voters that they need to make this an election issue. You have three people running for mayor who serve on the airport committee, Jolie Justice, uh, Jermaine Reed, and Quentin Lucas. In fact, she
1: was the chair. She was the Uh, the chair, um,
0: and from the very beginning... Uh, This process has been a a lot of missteps from starting with the clandestine meeting at the River Club to the selection process to ultimately end up with Edgemore as the contractor to trying to now borrow money from the Water Department after telling the voters that no uh, city funds would be used to uh, Fund the airport, so it's just uh, full of missteps that certainly the electorate needs to weigh in on during this campaign season. It needs to be. But isn't there
5: isn't there sort of a bum rap here in a way because it's the airlines who have come in after the fact and said, you know, we want to expand the gates in a very substantial way and the holding areas for the passengers they have changed a lot of the rules and ground rules upon which the bid was originally made. And if you try to cut a billion dollars out of that, you'll be making the whole thing out of paper mache. And not, uh, it's, only not have it's, they p- changed it's not it. possible.
4: Not only have they changed it, but they're complaining about the cost.
5: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so
3: now they're saying, they're so wh- why not just leave it the way it is? I mean, mm, I, well, I mean this is... KCI is my favorite airport in the country. It is so... does it need a coat of paint and some other things? Sure. But it's a great airport. It's the easiest one to get in and out of. And uh, well, I, frankly, I'm hoping this leads to, it's like, let's just give it up and keep and the price
0: man. tag
4: approaching $2 billion yeah. makes one wonder. And it, it
0: continues to go up. And then when they start construction, are there going to be continual overruns in, in pricing? If you look at Moore's history in doing, building airports, that seems to be the case. So certainly, the, we're getting back to the original question, how does it impact the voters? And the details that you're talking about are not necessarily the details that resonate with people who go up to who go to the polls and make a choice based on the commitment that the folks they chose to represent them put out there. So that's well, the Well, they were the told they right weren't, the, the taxpayers we to, were
5: told that they wouldn't have skin in the game, mm-hmm. which, and is why the, why, which is why they got like, what, a 70% approval. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, there was a, so nobody's yeah. changing, nobody's well, changing that. Well, well they, oh, come they, on. they said that they were, they, on, the, the, the talk well, about companies?
0: using, the talk about using uh, city dollars borrowing from the water department to help fund the airport, that's not good. I mean, so I'm not arguing that we don't need a new airport. I think everybody showed up and voted. We need a new airport. They want a new airport. But with all of this confusion, with the bickering at City Hall about the airport, the question was how does this confusion impact the voters? And I think I clarified
1: I want to ask you this. Is this debacle unique or is it (laughs) typical of Kansas City projects?
0: Well, you know, we tend to have a little confusion going on when so, we do projects. So, yes, <laughs> yes, it is typical. <laughs> well, it's not all the time, but we do have a little. oh shouldn't the mayor be
1: playing a more decisive role in this? It was well, his project. But the mayor's initially. on his way out, well, and well, so
0: you yeah, really need to be looking at who's problem. going to come it's behind. It's the
1: mayor's project. Uh, I mean,
3: th- th- to say that taxpayers aren't going to have any skin in this game is deceptive at best. I mean, maybe they don't or didn't plan to use city funds, but airlines aren't going to really pay for this. It's like saying the companies pay taxes. They're going to pass on the cost they incur into higher fares. Are who pays those higher
5: fares? It isn't just Travelers. the people of Kansas City. It's right. the it's people all who, as everybody all from all so over the country, many people of whom didn't have a so voice in this. So people will pay the cost right. of this. Yes, yeah. but Travelers. not necessarily all of it from Kansas City taxpayers. And passing or even the cost on someone
3: else doesn't make it a good thing. It still comes back to: Do we really have to have it, and what should the cost be of what needs to get done?
1: I've got to wrap this up. Um, I'm going to quote a letter I saw in the Star from somebody who said. We're going to build an airport, and the airlines are going to pay for it. Mm. Does that remind you of anyone?
4: (laughs) You you
1: can keep your insurance if you like.
4: Or Mexico. We're going to
1: build a wall in
3: Mexico.
0: Mexico's going to pay for it. it. All
1: right. Members of the Johnson County Commission are elected on a nonpartisan basis. That is, their party affiliations are not on the ballot. That's also the case in many city contests. Now some county commissioners are calling for a return to partisan elections because of activities by the Democratic Party during last fall's county elections. When I asked about making county commission elections partisan, Commission Chairman Ed Eilert, appearing on Ruckus earlier this month, said this. It's interesting. When this issue was on the ballot in 2000, I was one of those who opposed going to nonpartisan elections. But I think it's worked very well. Uh, Most of the issues that we deal with uh, uh, do not require a party label uh, in order to make uh, sound decisions. Well, I won't ask you to reveal your party affiliation, Steve, because I know it's variable. But
5: (laughs) as a longtime Johnson County, and what are your thoughts about partisan elections? Well, I will say that in 2000, when this is up for election, I too, like Ed, fought for partisan elections. And uh I will agree that subsequently, I have seen the advantages and I, and honestly, there are advantages and disadvantages and and there is a lot of partisan politics, even in the nonpartisan racism, which we saw it this last time where the Democratic Party came out in favor of this candidate who's supposedly nonpartisan, and we've had the right to life movement you know ordained uh, certain candidates who are supposed to be nonpartisan, partisan um, but I will say, overall, I think that the issues that the county commission tackles are really nonpartisan issues when they're talking about, you know, whether to do X, Y, and Z with the jail or with sewers or with the mental health centers or, you know, I mean, it could go on and on. These, these really are not Republican or Democratic how, issues. How
1: about you, Lisa? What do you think about partisan elections in Johnson County?
4: I think they should remain nonpartisan. Now, obviously, partisan groups can get involved, as Steve was mentioning. And and this is not new. They've been involved in many cycles. Uh, But I actually wish there were more nonpartisan elections, even beyond the county level, because my concern for many voters, if someone is engaged and informed and they're really trying to research the individuals, it's fine. But sometimes partisan elections can encourage people to vote mindlessly and just go with the stereotype based on what they think one party or the other believes and various candidates differ.
1: But by the same token, Dave, isn't it possible a party label tells voters a little bit more about the candidate what he or she probably supports and believes?
3: It can, it can Mike, um, but these days uh, and I am I favor partisan elections Uh, But I don't know that Democrat and Republican are the right labels, because Mm. what's a Democrat, what's a Republican these days? I'd rather see the party of tax less and the party of tax more. Let's put a label on it that we all understand what they really
1: mean. All right, let's move to uh, Washington, where indeed there are partisan elections Mm. taking place (laughs) and partisan battles. Uh, how about this shutdown, Gwen? What do you think about that? Do you think well, we're think going to see a solution to it soon?
0: Well, it's not looking like it, but I'm hopeful. Um, I know this this morning, uh, uh, Speaker Pelosi... And we're talking Pelosi, about Thursday morning, right? Yeah, Thursday morning, uh, that Senator... I mean, uh, Speaker Pelosi was uh, actually... Uh, addressing the media about the uh, shutdown and, and uh, certainly an outreach to continue to first reopen government so that uh, a negotiation can begin ab- about um, the wall. Uh, and not using the wall as a bargaining chip on the backs of 800,000 people. Well, let me ask you this. People. If
1: government is reopened, will that be the end of Democrats discussing the wall with President Trump?
0: No. What they're saying is let's get government reopened so we can negotiate the wall. Let's not make the wall uh, the bargaining chip that we place on the backs of 800,000 federal Dave, you um, think Democrats will
1: start negotiating seriously about building a wall with President Trump oh, if, if he agrees to open the government? Of course not.
3: Of course not. And, I mean, let me just say, first of all, the childishness and the hyper-partisanship in both cases, Mm. in both parties, is inexcusable. This is all about politics. I mean, you know, saying that the wall is immoral, how can it be immoral when you voted for it? Was it immoral then? Come on. Well, you know, I always wondered
1: if it's immoral to have a wall, why isn't speaker Pelosi recommending that the fences and walls that do exist be torn down. You mean like around her house? Well, no, not around her house, (laughs) but around the border.
0: (laughs) So you know it's about the symbolism the of the wall is what she's talking about. Is it more than to build a wall, And the we're a country of immigrants and we're gonna be, try to build walls to keep other but you know, people. But we already have we already have barriers. The, what the Democrats want to negotiate is certainly securing the borders and what and by what means? Using technology and more uh, reasonable and more uh, functional approaches to than just throwing up a wall because President Trump made a commitment on his campaign trail that he's not been. Able to keep. I think the so. only
5: way that you're going to get compromised is if you segment out the extremists on each side. Yeah. Those who say on the this side there should be absolutely right. no wall, no money spent for the wall, and we're not moving from that position have to be put aside. Those who say that you do any kind of help, any kind of uh, extension to the uh, dreamers, that's amnesty and those people need to be put aside. Those two issues can bring this whole thing together and they can make a deal. But my, my, frustration, we'll a deal. my
4: frustration is the way that this has been covered, people are coming to the belief that this has to be worked out to get the government open. They can, totally time, and and they can pass a clean CR anytime, and then they can move forward can and do what Steve well is suggesting him, but and try CR to CR is continuing have
1: resolution to and now so I've resolved to move on <laughs> <laughs> to the soapbox for roast <laughs> and toast where the Rockettes have 30 seconds each to scandalize,
0: analyze, or politicize, and we start with Gwen. Well, I am honored to toast House Speaker Nancy Pelosi for saying no to President Trump about holding a State of the Union address while the government is shut down. And she prevailed in this space, which she should certainly have done so. I commend her on being a strong woman, a strong leader, and not bowing and kowtowing to the bully we have in the White House.
3: Dave. Uh, a roast to the hyperpartisanship that defines politicians in both parties and their media enablers. Uh, the uh, today's toxic political environment is destructive. Uh, it's to the point where it invokes uh, Ben Franklin's warning. When asked what they had created, he said, "A republic, if you can keep it." Um, too many people think these days that their side can't win unless the other guy loses. And with that mentality, we all lose. So we need need leaders with principled solutions. Media enabler Steve
5: Rose. Well, I'm going to roast Nancy Pelosi, (laughs) although not on the issue that you're talking about. But because when the president made his speech and made his proposals, I thought it was in very bad taste for the speaker to say, this is a non-starter before the president had even begun his speech. I think it was offensive. She could have easily waited till afterwards and said what she had to say, and hopefully she would have said, there are issues in there that maybe we should think about or talk about or consider, something other than just a blank non-starter and he had not even uttered a word. Lisa.
4: My roast is for those who have said that the recent Politico article critically evaluating (laughs) Elizabeth Warren as a candidate for president was sexist. Considering potential candidate weaknesses, including stylistic variables and ones appealed to the public, is completely legitimate. Avoiding sexism does not require holding women above or beyond criticism. Women candidates should be treated equally with respect and consideration, but also with equal scrutiny.
1: Like I do on the program. (laughs) Finally, a toast to letter writer Steve Bader of Olathe, whose note appeared in The Star. Steve urged television meteorologists to make some changes. Never remind us that when the sun goes down, so does the temperature. We know that. And never tell us what to wear when we leave home. Our mothers have done a fine job of that already. And that's ruckus for this week. We'll be back next Thursday at 7. Now for the ruckus and the crew, Mike Shannon saying thanks for watching and good night.